Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, silliness, photos, videos, half-hearted conversations. Other things at Facebook.com slash Ballistic Radio. Jack-Jack thought I was going somewhere bad. I really did. Coasting with me, Jack-Jack and Melanie. Yay. Yay. So you're just going to do yippee? Is that your thing, Melanie? I don't know. I'll find something later. No, you've already done it. Now, I, no, you, you know what? I, do you think I wanted evolve. to be the yay guy? Well, you know, no. you, know you know what's funny to me? Else. So I was, I was at that uh, Steve Fisher shoot house class, and like uh, somebody asked me something you know about the show and i i answered and they're like where's jack jack and and uh he's like, oh he had something else to do and he's like yeah <laughs> and i'm like yes i was i was it's at a, a catchphrase <laughs> for you now i was at a competition in georgia and a guy walked up and he's like i didn't know him he's like hey it's mr ballistic radio yay i'm like oh god oh god no people know you <laughs> See, I, I, I still have time. I'm still moldable. I can come up with something else. I don't know, man. I think it should be Excelsior. No, that's horrible. I don't even know what that means. I am. What yeah, does it mean, John? Hold on. I am. I am more and more convinced that <laughs> you are not a, a box. No, you are not as big of an Archer fan as you say you are because you didn't get the Ocelot reference and you didn't get the Excelsior she reference. She didn't get right an now. Ocelot reference. Uh uh-uh. uh. No. I must have missed a season somewhere. I know. <laughs> yeah, Joe, you can cut her mic. Cut her mic. Uh, just. <laughs> hey, guess what, guys? What's that, John? What? Excelsior. This segment brought to you by Tactical Night Vision Company. The night is dark and full of terrors, or at least it used to be. But now we have the technology to fight the night, and TNVC is your one-stop shop for all your dark fighting needs. From the TNV PVS 14 night vision goggle to the Iron Patrol thermal monocular and everything in between. TNVC can outfit your defense against the dark arts. Doesn't matter if it's your lost keys, the enemy, or that little kid from down the street that likes to wander off. TNVC has what you need to find things in the dark. TNVC now with financing. Own or finance the night. So, it's another Facebook user question episode. Yay! It's actually a continuation of the one that we did one, two, two weeks ago. But there was a pause because we're time traveling, and that was a time slot we had to record with last week's Claude Werner. Think about the things that when this show airs, we'll know that we don't know right now. What if it wasn't 42, Jack? What if it was really 43? (laughs) Then apparently they like 9mm over 380. Well, I was making a Hitchhiker's Guide reference. So was I. I, was just... I, I got I know. that reference. I know. So that, that was good. Ah, don't panic. I'm panicking just a little. Where's my towel? It's actually in Troy, Ohio. Actually, yeah, I was going to say, you left your towel. 
You traitor. So, so I actually have a, because I was a big hitchhiker's guide, I travel places with a towel in the car just because you never know what you're going to need a towel for. And I left it on the range teaching a class. But let's let's skip past I, no, all the jokes. I, no, you... no, hold on. Okay. I'm actually not going to make a joke here. I have a pillow because I like a very specific style of pillow that I always travel with. And I left it in Georgia on my last trip. Ooh. So I know, ex like, I went home and I was like, I don't, I don't have it anymore. I have a blanket. Yeah, but I, think, I travel with my blanket. Well, so that's what a lot of people don't understand about people that spend a significant amount of time away from home. When you're on the road, you bring little pieces of home with you to make it a little more bearable. And when you don't have those little pieces of home, it feels like maybe you've lost your way a little bit. I am a I'm not even going to make fun of that. That's 100% true. I know, but I, I <laughs> wanted to like be Okay, now let's be silly again. 100% <laughs> true there. Oh my god. In the last year, I've spent more time on the road than I have at a home. Yeah, I I'm a I'm up about 50% of the time I'm on the road. I I counted it 70% this year. I've not spent it a home. I'm sorry that you don't have a better boss, Jack. <laughs> so, on that note, do your job! Coming from Hiram Grisham, your thoughts on daily carry gear. What is too much, what's not enough, and value of belt-mounted versus pocket dump? Uh, I think, let, let's do, let's break this into two parts. What's enough or not enough? I don't know, I'm not you. I, that's a personal decision. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to tell anyone that what they've decided they need to have on them is is wrong. Well, let's 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 say what our bare minimums are. Uh, my personal bare minimum is a pistol of some sort, uh, a fixed blade knife, and uh, a flashlight, and a tourniquet. That's what I like to have on me, no matter what. Bare minimum. I'm walking to get my mail. It's a pistol. And a fixed blade knife. Mm -hmm. Bare minimum, like you said, around the house or something. Actually, if I'm not leaving the four corners of my house, it's just a gun. Uh, if I'm walking outside of my door, it's gun, knife, and usually a spare magazine. But that very well may change this weekend to, instead of a spare magazine, a tourniquet. Uh, I want to get both of them on and a flashlight somewhere in my pocket or something. But... Depending on my pocket size, because let's let's face it, women's jeans aren't known for having deep pockets, so I might have to go with a smaller. Or if I have my purse with me, I can have more stuff in there. So it, it depends a little bit more for me. I always, every time they release like a new women's line of tactical clothing, I'm like, where are the real pockets? Oh, like man. you will make so much money if it's just like the five eleven women's jeans with real pockets. So it's, like it's... when Hiram asks about like. The difference between belt-mounted and pocket dumps, I'm like, what pocket dumps for me? Well, and that goes back to, you know... There's some lint and a chapstick. Well, it, it seems like, too, that in our community specifically, the people oftentimes designing women's products are men trying to design women's products that they want to see women, you know, I, I don't know. But to, to answer the next part of that question... Uh, pocket versus belt mounted is going to depend on how quickly you need to access whatever it is and what are the consequences if you can't access it quickly enough. Um, the, the pistol, if you can manage it, should be belt mounted. You should be able to get that out with a quickness. Um, that, that's my personal thoughts on it. 
you know, and people talk about, well, situational awareness means that I don't, I don't need to have a quick drop. I want to hit those people when they don't it, see it coming. Yeah. Just <laughs> laugh. You know, honestly, if you were really situational aware, you wouldn't need to carry a gun, period. You know. Um, and I, that's my thoughts on it. I There are very few circumstances where you are so 100% situationally aware that um, you can't be surprised by something. So I have an interesting thing about the whole what's too much thing. So because I am really, really small female, when I post pictures of what I carry on an everyday basis, I get a lot of comments saying that's too much. It's like it's a gun, a spare magazine, and a knife. And a flashlight in my pocket. It's four things. How is this too much? But like Jack could carry that much. They'd be like, dude, where's the rest? Yeah. You know, so the, the idea of what's too much can sometimes be subjective to other people, but it really doesn't matter what other people think. It's your mission. So, well, I think that's a perfect example, a lead in to what I was going to talk about, which I was going out with a company in the firearms industry. I'm not going to name names here, but they are a very large company. Um, and we were all going to go to a restaurant slash bar to have dinner and we were leaving the house and these guys started like all putting in pocket guns. And is this the NRA thing? Yeah. With the wings? Yeah. And I put on a full size gun with a light and they looked at me and went, why do you have that? And I was like, why don't I? Bro, we're going out to a bar. <laughs> this is where shootings happen. Like, and they suddenly were like, oh. Like, like, what I was planning for and what they were planning for were two different things. Like, they were like, oh, I'm just getting dressed. I'll just slide this into my pocket. Like, nah, dude, we're, where we're going, there's a higher chance of something right. happening. Well, so, and to speak to that, I want the gun on the belt. I want, you know, the fixed blade knife on the belt. Anything else can be in a pocket. Whatever um, you need right away. Yeah, should be on a belt. Yeah, and and to me, that's the the gun, the knife, the tourniquet. Batman didn't have no pocket carry. Well, he didn't have any pockets. Period. But uh, hey, look at that! It's the end of the segment. When we get back, more of your questions. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Events, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Events, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Sig Sauer, now with more options. We're not all the same, and our carry gun shouldn't have to be either. Sig Sauer gives you choices. And with more models and the Bible's got Psalms, it's never been easier to find a Sig Sauer that fits your needs. From the extremely versatile striker-fired P320 with modular grip frame, to the Legion Series P226, the single-stack P225A1, or the entry-level SP2022, Sig Sauer makes a model that's right for you. Just don't ask for Callahan, full-bore auto-lock. They don't make that yet. Six hour when it counts. So we are answering your questions, kind of, half-heartedly, again, and because we're gracious that way. Well, that and I only lined up one guest for this anyway. So more questions, Jack. Jack from James Bondy. Is it worth getting trained on all the different types of tourniquets in case you have to use one in an emergency and it's not the one you trained on, Melody? I would say that your average good tourniquets kind of have the same components to them. You know, they wrap around, they, you know, you've got some kind of a buckle thing that, and then a windlass that allows you to, to tighten it down. However, there are certain types like ratcheting types, and then there are ones that don't have windlasses that are just like a wrap around. Um, getting training on all of them. First of all, hopefully everyone is is kind of learning the good ones anyway and, and carrying those good ones. I hope like your cats or your 
uh, soft T's or your soft T wides, and those are going to be very, very similar to one another. And you train on one, you pretty much train on the other one. Um, but other ones, a lot of them will actually have instructions right on them as well. So you can read the instructions. I mean, you don't want to be taking a whole bunch of time reading instructions, but the principles are pretty simple, as tight as you can and yes. tighten it somehow, you know, get as, it tighter. As tight as you can, as high up as you yeah, can. Yeah, as, as tight as you can, told. as high up as you can. Here, here's something that you should practice with multiple types of tourniquets. One-handed application. Yes. Um, because there are certain tourniquets that if you try and put them on one-handed and you've never tried before, it's not going to happen for in, in the for reals. Well, and there are certain tourniquets that just aren't as effective yeah. as others. So well, don't carry those tourniquets, please. I, well, actually, I'll, I'll argue with you there because I think the TK, TK4L isn't as effective, but it has multiple uses besides just being a tourniquet. And as far as like a really fast tourniquet to put on, it's a great primary tourniquet followed up by a soft T-wide in the same place. Well, that's something else that a lot of people don't seem to think about either is that, you know, you can apply more than one. Um, you can, you know, sometimes you have to do a hasty tourniquet. It's lower down on the limb than you want. And then you apply one a couple inches higher up. Or maybe it, it really depends on the type of injury, too. Um, so don't don't get locked into, well, I've got one on and that dude's still bleeding. I guess he's he's out. Just <laughs> don't know? take the one you put on off before putting the second one on. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that, that's, that's, that's not good. That, that's pretty basic. Well, um, and, but it's funny what happens yeah. when you're put under stress and the things that you you know you know suddenly just go right out the window. Go, um, go take a class from a solid school about medical stuff, and yes. they'll cover this, and they will give you a basis to work off of. Hmm. I've got a question for you, Jack. Oh no, this is this is something uh, coming from John Johnston, Jack. Jack, do you think? that the tactical firearms industry should pay more attention to criminal-on-criminal criminal shootings to determine what, uh, what equipment and tactics the, the individuals that may attack us are utilizing. 100% absolutely. Every time I listen to people talk about, well, this never happens, like, I've always heard, like, you never see people run out of ammo or reload in a civilian shooting. I'm like, yeah, you do. Bad guys are civilians. I, I know we don't want to think of them that way, and we can say bad guy versus good guy and all that stuff, but if you look at what the bad guys are doing to each other, then you know what you're actually dealing with in your area. Right. Um, like, look at what firearms get what firearms get confiscated in your area by your local police department, and you're going to know what they carry. Um, and you're going to know what they're up to. There's a couple of recent videos that are showing like what we assume is bad guy on bad guy in one case it was actually a good guy you just don't think him as a good guy versus a bad guy and what they do and how they respond yep that's valuable information why would you not take that right so yeah you should you should not just go oh two bad guys got into a shooting and then leave it at that ask what happened why did it happen what was involved where were they at well, and it's like when people talk about um, most home invasion are, you know, drug houses or whatever getting hit. Well, that's all well and good, but, you know, they can make a mistake on the address just as easy as, 
you know, the the under-trained SWAT department, wherever, or maybe they think you've got more crap than you do and that they can get something valuable out of it, or does it really matter why they're doing it if you find that your door is being kicked in? Yeah, like the social economical reasons that my door just exploded in are really unimportant to me. Right. But understanding that, hey, I know that locally a group of three guys have been kicking in doors in the daytime and have been strong arm robbing people, and they said they had a couple of pistols with them. That's important information to me. Yeah. You know, I always see, like, people talk about battlefield pickups, and they talk about AKs. I'm like, yeah, but do you know how to run a Ruger P85? Yeah. <laughs> because that's the gun you'll be picking yeah. up. <laughs> that or a Sigma. Right. Um, so, yeah, what bad guys do and how they do it, that's really important information. Um, and don't don't think of yourself as better than them because you went and took a class. They took classes, too. There's just not a certificate at the end for them. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. So, next question. From Tamara Keel, if you could wave a magic wand and make three aftermarket handgun parts or accessories disappear from the market, which ones would they be? Ah, uh, I'm going to try and not specifically name any one product. And, you know, if, if, if this product has features... <laughs> Similar to I'm, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> That that and you are offended by me bringing this triggered up. as it were. Yeah, um, I apologize. Getting your safe space right now. Yeah. So here's 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 what I don't want to see. Um, here here's a type of product I don't want to see. I don't want to see a type of product where you need to utilize your trigger trigger finger to remove a gun from a holster. Um, there's a couple different manufacturers that utilize that as a locking mechanism, and I personally don't like that very much. Um, I do not want to utilize a product that stores a firearm inside your waistband without covering the trigger guard, especially on semi-automatic handguns. You can kind of get away with it with a double-action revolver. With a... Uh, a Glock with like a three and a half pound uh, connector in it. I don't think that's a good idea personally. If you disagree with me, that's cool. You can say so on your radio show. Uh, ooh. How's your space program? Yeah. Um, that's nice. <laughs> How's your space? Uh, <laughs> thank you for that, Jack. You're welcome. Um, if you, how about, how about this? A product that tells you that you don't need to utilize the sites because sites are too slow. Traditional sites are too slow to use in a close-range gunfight. Is that a product or a train? Oh, oh yeah, it's a product. Uh, I'll a show pro it to you oh, later. Okay, I'm yeah. like, what? What are we? Okay, all right. Yeah, um, it's a product. Okay. Yeah, that that those would be the three that immediately spring to mind, or or. Handgun rounds that are devastating on attackers and will stop them dead right there. Yeah, I would, I would say magic bullets. Those are gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any sort of sight with more than three dots, that's that's right out. Oh, you stole mine, Jack. And uh, neoprene or like just 
floppy inside the waistband holsters. Yes, yeah, just holsters like, that have a floppy backing. Yeah, like those, I would fire out of a cannon into the sun, just Superman two style. Just get rid of those. No need. I want to see the t-shirt cannon that will make it to the sun because <laughs> Jack Jack just mined like a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> It's it's like uh, I have a t-shirt cannon story for you off air. By the way, <laughs> oh my god, did you shoot someone with a t-shirt cannon? No, it was actually much worse. I shot a light fixture out in a bar <laughs> with a t-shirt cannon, and the light fixture fell onto a table. The light fixture was the size of the table. Like I could have killed someone with this t-shirt cannon. So be aware of your muzzle and be aware of your target and what's beyond it when you have a t-shirt cannon. Well, hey, it's like these rules make sense in all these situations. Melody, I want to see what your three products are, but we've got to go to break, so hold that thought. We're kind of messing around with this radio show thing, and you're listening to it. It's called Ballistic Radio! Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Events, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Events, lighter, stronger, better! This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. Legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories at www.wilsoncombat.com. So, we are answering your questions and making up questions. And questions are being beamed to us from lack of sleep and slap happiness from outer space. Uh, so the question before was from Tamara Keel, what three products would you make go away if you could make them go away? Uh, I told mine, Jack-Jack heard a light fixture with a t-shirt cannon and <laughs> Melody got her, one of hers stolen. So we're going to put her on the spot. Melody, what, what were your, three? now I, this is a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but for yes. me personally, good for ratings. Finger grooves on handguns. Oh my God, yes. I they never fit me ever, and it just makes my hands awkward. Or even on a rifle, you know. Can we add hog grips to that? No, that was my next one. Don't oh. steal it again. Can we not add a specific product? Oh. I mean, on no. Air to no, that? I was gonna say slip-on grips is what I was gonna say. Way to go, Jack. Because what? a lot of times they don't stay in place, and then they get hot, and then they kind of slip around, and they usually make the grip too big anyway. For I who? See, for a lot. Of, now, okay. I, that for, being for said, for carny hand freaks for like carny you. For carny hand freaks like me, I do realize there are a few people who are like, "Yes, this makes it perfect because I've got these big, massive bear paws." Well, here, here's the thing about. No, some, it doesn't. Here, here. Well, it <laughs> depends. Here, here's the thing, though, is a product like that is not going to get anyone hurt or killed. No, but my next one will. Okay. This is my next product. My next product is holsters made by women, poor women, that, are, that their primary retaining feature is lace. I'm sorry. Good for breasts, not so good for guns. Just saying. I have never thought about that. Like... I can't even imagine, like, if someone handed me a holster retaining a gun with lace. Be like, what? Why do you want me dead? What, what, what did I do to do you? This? Yeah, or, or just like flimsy cloth like that with is lace that a on it. Thing? It is. Let's it not is. name any specific products. No, but I'm just saying there are there are many. So I couldn't just say one. There yeah. are many that they're like, oh, this looks pretty. So and look at this. It's got a pocket made of lace for your gun. Well, and, and like, so there's this whole like argument: form over function, function over form. Things where if the form is 
uh, not also conducive to the function that, that can get you potentially killed? No place in, in our industry, in my opinion. But let's move on before we get sued by someone. <laughs> From Brad Kurtzinger. Fiber optic. You know, Hogue makes really awesome G10 grips. They're like some of my favorite G10 grips. Now I'm going to get yelled at off air. You are going to get yelled at. <laughs> Do you have at. the guilt yet? On air. Jack, Jack has no guilt. <laughs> I regret nothing. It's like when you guys saw how I parked this morning. I don't care. <laughs> you think this gives me guilt? <laughs> I was born in guilt. From Brad Kurtzinger. Thank you. Fiber optic versus night sights on a carry training gun. Ah. Uh, whatever you prefer i mean so there the thing that i hear a lot of is like well fiber optic sites break i don't know i shoot an awful lot and the dawson's that i use you know good fiber optics don't break as often well and so here i'll give an unpaid endorsement to dawson um they recess the fiber front and back so that it's more protected um and the bulb itself is not exposed so like when you install a fiber optic sight, you melt either end of it. And if the melty bit is like sitting on the front or rear of the blade, if you hit it against something or draw it over and over again, it eventually snaps off. But if you have that little recess and it's protected, I've yet to break a Dawson fiber optic sight, and I've put a lot of rounds through them. I have gotten them dirty. I've, I've replaced them because they've started to you know get to the point where they won't be cleaned. Or can't be clean, but so the the whole thing that fibers break. Uh, um, I like night sights. I think they're incredibly, incredibly, incredibly useful in the lighting conditions that um, they work. I would rather have them than not. But the issue then becomes that for how I shoot and how I perceive sights in my field of vision, um, most tritium sights are have too wide of a front blade. So there are pluses and minuses, but I don't think there's like a definitive answer here. It's personal preference. I recently got gifted a set of brass bead front sights mm -hmm. for a gun, and uh, I've been trying that, and I don't hate it. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of dead bad guys in the dirt that were put there by guns that had brass beads on them. So um, apparently there's some somebody knocking in here, which actually is... Really kind of frightening. Because, <laughs> like, oh, construction oh, outside. Sorry. I'm like, Carrie Ann, are you there? <laughs> Run towards the light, Carrie Ann. No, stay away from the light. That's it. So Don't anyway. you want her to be at peace? No, oh. Poltergeist. We're talking about the movie Poltergeist, which is probably another one that you haven't seen. Oh, shocking. Melody hasn't seen a movie. Mm. I have a life. Oh, I do not. <laughs> I had one once. Anyway. Uh, by the ocean? No, that's cake, not a life. Never had a life by the ocean. So, next question. From John Lauer. I don't know who that guy is. Mm. What is the applicability? Applicability? <laughs> there we go. That's the word I'm looking It's way too early for this. Of shoot houses classes for non-military Leo citizens. Uh, Civilian shoot house classes. I think pretty applicable. Do you have a house? Do you keep a gun in that house? I think we've already discussed that. No, I do not. <laughs> well, okay. Do you have, do you have a, a car? Do you have a struck? No, that's that's the wrong class. That'd be a petty class, not a, a shoot house class. Well, that's his home, though. Well, no, I'm saying... <laughs> Never mind. Killing me, Smalls. 
Do do you live in a structure with walls and you keep a gun in it? Well then, maybe a shoot house class would do something for you. The way, and, and the other thing too is a lot of people are like shoot house classes. I don't see why I would need that. It's amazing. It's amazing. What seems really simple when you're just standing still in a little shooting booth and you've only got, you know, like a a 30 degree field of view of information in front of you that you need to process. And there's like two walls, like six inches on, on off your left elbow and your right elbow. And, and there's one of your buddies holding your beer behind you or whatever. Yeah. Things are pretty easy, but when you're given a 360 degree environment where, you know, information is coming at you from all sides. And, and if you make a mistake, um, there, there's negative consequences to that. Things that seem really easy aren't easy anymore, you know? I so. think if there's one thing that really is an eye-opener for, for people is how many times you'll see people say something like, I came home, my door was open, and so I decided to clear my own house. God. Yeah. Anyone who's actually gone through a shoot house course goes, nope, nope. I'm, I'm calling the police and waiting for them to get here because that's their job because I know how hard this is and how many ways that I can screw up and get killed because of it. Um, that was my big takeaway from the very first shoot house that I went through is, wow, unless I do a whole lot more of this, this ain't my job. And unless I have to, like my two-year-old is upstairs and I have to go get them right now. I'm not doing it. When, and that's that's an important part. Unless there's exigent circumstances where I have to go into that house. And as someone that's spent, you know, at this point, a little bit of time in a shoot house, and it's an area of interest for me that I I work on probably more than really makes sense, um, I want no part of that. And even understanding, you know, the, the thing I always hear is let the professionals do that. The cops that show up probably don't know how to do it either, but at least they're wearing armor. Well, and at least then I don't have to do it. There, there's, <laughs> there's more of them, too. Yeah, there's more know? of them, and I don't have to do it then. If, yeah. So. If there is no reason to go in the house, why would I go into the exactly. house? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I don't. I don't they're uh, getting paid for that job. I, I actually got to talk to a guy early on in my time in this where – the guy had no previous training and ended up having to clear a house of two bad guys Oof. and won. He won that gunfight, both of them. Um, though I think one was just a shooting. Um, but the end result is, is he was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I think there are some shoot house classes that aren't that great for everybody. They do some stuff in them where I'm like, but that's not how people are in houses. They don't do things like this. Yeah. Um, like, I was at one where a guy was like, all right, let's talk about clearing ceilings in case they've worked themselves up on a ceiling. I was like, what? Is this the exorcist? <laughs> Is, am I fighting mutants? What are they doing on the ceiling? I have seen, like, just jerk instructors yeah. will set stuff like that up. And, you know, as, and I was having this conversation with Melody and with some students at a at a class or whatever, but, like, as an instructor, if I want you to fail, I can set that up. There is no question in my mind that if, if I want you to lose, you know, and I'm not trying to get you to learn anything, I'm just trying to stroke my own ego and feel good about how, ha-ha, I fooled the students. That That's not challenging at all. And Would you call that a Kobayashi Maru? 
There are po- – no, I, I wouldn't. I got that reference. No, and and let's talk about that in the next segment because we got to go to break. Um, but no, I wouldn't call that a Kobayashi Maru. Uh, so hold that thought. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? But shining a really bright light at it. And that's where Surefire comes in. From the USB rechargeable 300 lumen sidekick to the 500 lumen X300 Ultra or M600 Scout light, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell Aziz light ever again. Doesn't matter if you're shining a light at a potential threat or just helping your friends see through their eyelids. When you need all the lumens for longer, you need Surefire. And now is a special offer to Ballistic Radio listeners. You can get 30% off every Surefire product except suppressors and batteries at the Surefire.com web store by entering the discount code ALLTHELUMENS, A-L-L-T-H-E-L-U-M-E-N-S, no space, at Surefire.com. So we are answering your questions. And Jack, you, you like sort of jokingly said, would you call that a Kobayashi Maru? No, no, I was being serious. Okay. And no, I wouldn't. And here's why. Um... There are certain times we're setting up a no-win situation to get students to consider something like that is incredibly useful. Uh, let me, you know, let me give an example of what, in my mind, is a is a realistic or possible no-win sh- um, no scenario. Let's say you are out with your family members. And you're at the mall, and it's Christmas time, and the mall is packed, and you've got your your kid with you, and your significant other is across the mall with your other kid, and all of a sudden, gunfire breaks out. Do you try and take your kid that you have control over and get out of the mall? Do you get them out of the mall, go back into the mall? Do you try and move with your child and find your significant other? I mean, there are there are suggestions that I would make. There are ways that I personally would handle that. But that's not, there's no good decision in something like that. And that's just off the top of my head, you know, after having been speaking for the last three hours and I'm kind of tired and whatever, if I really really wanted to sit down and think about it and talk to some other instructors that are mentors of mine, uh, mentors of mine, mentors. I got me some mentors. Um, you know, I could come up with some other ones as well. So I'm not talking about, you know, a teaching point. I'm talking about, you know, you're, you're blue falconing one of your students because you're a jerk. Well, well to, I'm sorry, Jack, to speak to that, Chuck and I actually, Chuck Haggard, and I had a really good conversation about this one day where he was talking about the importance of setting up a scenario, particularly in force on force, where people fail so that when they do it again, they have a negative response that they can fix the next time every time. And it's something that they will remember. Right. Um, like, for instance, they used to set up a scenario where they would um, that particular office would rush in to help another officer and get shot in the back. Yeah. Well, then they remember that, and it's a negative response that stays with them, and then they change their. They never forget to check a corner. Yeah. Um. So it's a it's a strong training moment. So there are benefits 
but you've got to follow that up with a win, and it has to be somewhat real, realistic. That's you know? I, I was going to like. It has to be realistic. It has to be something you'd actually see. We're not going to see Spider Man on the ceiling in a house. Um, but John, you said something where people ask, "What you know? What would you do if this?" Mm-hmm. And I see that get asked of instructors a lot. And the reality is, what does it matter what I would do? Uh, I'm not you. Yeah, like. I, I Jack, what would you do in this situation is completely different than what Melody would do in this situation. It's like, I don't know. What would six foot seven, four hundred pound frost giant Jack Jack do versus ninety eight pound five foot two Melody Lauer? Like one of the ones that gets brought up is like you walk out in a parking lot and there are three dudes sitting on your car. My response to that is gonna be different than Melody's response to that. I can probably get away with Yo okay. Holmes, is that my briefcase? Yeah. <laughs> get off of my car. Well, I mean, and, you know, knowing you pretty well, I don't think that's what you do. I think you'd stand a respectable distance back and be like, hey, guys, that's that's mine. I hit the uh, alarm button two weeks ago when it happened. Nice. And I was like, get off my truck. And they were like, sorry, guy. I yeah, took off. Right? <laughs> so, all right. Do we have another question? I have a question for you guys coming from me. What has been the thing that you have changed most radically from when you started carrying a gun? Ooh. Me first or you first? Yeah, go, 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 John. Who I got to think first? about this one. Uh, we already made that joke last show, I think. I We're think it was make last it show. Every show. Right? Um, Jokes aren't new. <laughs> I think that I have... So I, I had a student in class uh, recently that has known me for... Um, a long time, like back to my working at a gun store days. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's actually, I'm kind of like, oh, some of the things I said. Um, I have changed my willingness to make absolute statements or criticize other people for not doing things the way that I would do it. I, you know, I have also taken a much more evidence-based approach to how I do things. I'll give you a really good example. Um, Reloads. I carry a reload most of the time. Um, Sometimes it's in my pocket, sometimes it's on my belt, but as a civilian, you know, if a, a reload is something I can carry that doesn't cost me anything, so I do it. But I also understand that the chances that I need to reload a gun in a self-defense shooting as a civilian that I have ran dry are very, very low. Um, You know, I do it because it's good practice. It allows me to fix certain malfunctions, you know, whatever. But, like, compare that to where I was six or seven years ago where I thought you were a flaming idiot if you didn't have two reloads on your belt because, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so, so yeah, that, you know, that just immediately springs to mind. Uh, there's too many to choose from. For me, probably the, the, from when I very first started carrying was I bought into the whole ballistics of the bigger bullet. Um, I was a big 45 ACP girl. Uh, and then I realized I actually tried using that as an argument and, um, uh, went to go and find research to support it and couldn't find it. I was like, oh, my bad. That, that, and then that, re, that opened me up to the realization that everything that you hear, even from sources that you otherwise trust, may not be true. 
And so I started, that would be probably the second thing is, is a more doubtful when people say things, I'm like, eh, I'm going to check on that. And sometimes I still believe it. And then I'm like, Oh, I find out later. I'm like, Oh man, I was wrong. Oops. Um, being more humble about that kind of information too. Like if you, if you, if you mess up and you're like, I'm sorry, that's what I learned. And now I learned it's wrong. I'm sorry. You know? Well, and so, you know, what's, what's interesting too, is that, um, time is constantly passing and the things that make sense now may not make sense if, you know, technology changes or the threat we're facing changes or, you know, whatever. Um, if all of a sudden, like the 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 typical attack continues, you know, or grows to be guys in armor, you know, with uh, with long guns and suicide vests working in teams of five to seven, and that's a as common of an occurrence as like a two man armed robbery in a parking lot, then yeah, I'm gonna do some stuff a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I. I remember that for me, it's probably holsters have what I've changed the most on. When I started, I had an Uncle Mike's shoulder rig with my 1911 and a Ruger P85 shoved Mexican-Israeli style into the front of my pants. <laughs> Good job, Jack-Jack. <laughs> I've changed. I'm glad you're still alive, Jack. <laughs> well, there wasn't a bullet in the chamber. I was super safe. Oh, yeah. So, hey, we got a, we, we only have a minute left in the show. Um, I uh, Here's something I would like to do very much. So, Jack and Melody both work for me. Um, they, in my mind, do not get nearly as much credit as they deserve. So thank you both very much. Uh, I cannot tell you how proud I am to have employees that, that work so hard and, uh, you know, do such a good job. So thank you from, from me. Jack Jack's like, oh man, I wasn't expecting that. So anyway, Hey guys, thanks so much for listening because we wouldn't have this job without you either. So make sure you check out our website, ballisticradio.com. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ballistic Radio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. <laughs>